Welcome to Faux Teens Rise Up. Today you are going to hear about an incredible encounter with Jesus. Miranda shares her story, her raw story, and I I believe, I truly believe you will be blessed. She shares her struggles, how Jesus met her exactly where she was, and you'll hear about his incredible love he has for all his children. Heavenly Father, I pray that everyone listening to this podcast, everyone listening to this story, will have an encounter with you. In Jesus' name, I ask this of you. Amen. So let's let's uh, get started. Here's Miranda's story, raw and real. I'm just, I'm here today um, just to tell you a little bit about what God has and is and will always be doing through me. Um, the beginning of this is going to be kind of raw. It's going to be kind of hard to swallow on some of it, but I promise you at the end, you'll be swallowing just fine. Um, 2015 on Mother's Day is when my life completely went into a disarray. Um, I lost my mother May 11th, 2015, and um, I was mad at God. I just didn't want to, um... Jen, can you hear me good, or is there a lot of noise? Okay. Um, in 2015, my mother passed away. I cursed God. I was mad at him. I mean, I was so mad. I was calling him names. I was like, why would you take my mother? Um, my mom and I had just started for three years of building our relationship. And I was like, God, I was like, why would you do that to me? So I started the process of using, um, pills first. And then I went to, um, doing pills and, um, drinking at the same time. And I, I just wanted my mom and I didn't know about, you know, I I had grown up to be, you know, in churches and, you know, all that. And God literally didn't leave me. I left him. And so time goes on. And I'm getting madder and madder and madder because I just want my mom, you know? So one time I had left my, I had left my dad to take care of my daughter first off. And I just got custody of my daughter. I was, you know, I was doing really awful things. So pills and alcohol weren't working. So then I started meth. And when I started this, First, it was just smoking, okay? And meth is, I will tell you, there is demonic to it. There is, there's nothing good, you know? And when you don't understand this and you've never used, like, really hard street drugs and you go to meth, it is the worst. I will tell you it's the worst because you can't control what the devil is doing to you because your mind is already impaired. And so all this goes on. I started smoking. Okay, I started smoking the meth. Then I went to snorting meth. Then I went to the worst of worse. I started shooting. Okay. That is using a needle. Um, and uh, 
I got to the point where like, I was, you know, I, at first it was just a little bit, you know, and then I kept going on using it. And the more I used it, the more I knew I wasn't being connected with God. And I knew like, you know, it was, it's so hard now for me to look at the things that meth put me through. And I still have problems with it to this day. You know, God has, God has taken it, but there's still a portion that I still carry with me. So I can tell what I had to go through to help other people. So in 2017 was my first overdose. And yes, you can overdose on meth. I've heard people say, you can't overdose. You, you know, it's not addictive. Yes, it is. You can be addicted to Tylenol. Meth is really, really painful. Um, so the first time I overdosed, um, I was at my brother's. And I, I kept hearing like these just awful demonic things. I was seeing things that like, the one time I saw demonic stuff, and this is how scary it gets. Okay. I saw demonic stuff to the point I ran out in front of a car. I mean, it was bad. And I remember like my daughter was with me. My daughter saw all this. Okay. And I told my daughter, I hated her at the time I had found out that, you know, I, I was not only killing myself, but I was also killing another, you know, another living thing inside of me. And, you know, I, I was like, Oh, I was like, okay. So during the time that I had, you know, I was at my brother's, it got to the point where I couldn't hear nothing and I, everything got really, really white. And I told my brother, I said, you know, I'm dying and I could hear this. I'm dying. I'm dying. So I spoke it and my brother called 911. The ambulance came and my brother called my dad. My dad is my hero. It doesn't matter what my dad's done in his life. He's my hero. And, uh, so I'm in the back of the ambulance and I see my father, <laughs> my dad here on earth. And from where I had done so much meth shooting up in my veins, my veins were so collapsed that this EMT is ramrodding, trying to get this IV in me. Could not get this IV in for nothing. So I told my dad, I was like, I love you because I knew something was going to happen. So on the way to the hospital, I could see my dad's truck behind me. Again, my dad's my hero. You know, he made sure I could see him. So I am looking out the back window at my dad, driving behind us very fast. And all of a sudden, everything goes blank. And I heard, I heard the EMT come back and he's like, her heart, her heart. And I was like, you know, I didn't know what was going on. So they had to give it a little bit of a jolt my heart, give it a little bit of a jolt. And then they had to give me Narcan. I had two Narcans and then I had two nitros. Okay. All of this because of meth. Did you think it stopped me? No, I died in the back of an ambulance twice, you know, and I just remember when I got to the hospital and I woke up from where they were trying to, you know, get everything done. I woke up and I did not see one person. And that was my daughter. And I asked my dad, I'm like, daddy, I'm like, where's my daughter? And he's like, Miranda, your mom just passed away. I don't think it's right for us to bring your daughter into the situation. So I did not, she's not here. And to this day, I thank my dad for that because I, my daughter had went through so much pain because I had just got custody of her. My mom and her had made plans, but the, 
whole, you know, the whole summer. Yeah, I, I wasn't prepared for that when I just got her, but I was willing to share with my mom because my mom, my mom was my rock of all rocks. She went to church, you know, she, she did all that God wanted her to do, but I didn't know this. So, um, when I come to the doctors tell me, um, you're not only killing one life, you're killing two. And I was like, Oh no, you know, and I thought that it would make me calm down, but it didn't, it didn't. And I have to take this with me to the grave, you know, and there's some people that are like, you know, they doubt that, you know, all of this, but I don't really worry about what man knows or what man hears or what man sees here because it doesn't matter about that. You know, what matters is your walk with God. And at this point I wasn't walking. I was, I was, you know, I was walking against the wind instead of with the wind. And, um, so I get out of the hospital and I, you know, people, um, they knew because I was going through a withdrawal. I was shaking. I was twitching. I was, I, I was going through everything. So yes, there is a withdrawal. So do you think it stopped me? Nope. I got, I got into it worse. I got into math worse because that devil got right in here and he was just tweaking and tweaking and tweaking. I had a cousin that, um, she had gotten clean. She got into a relationship with a guy and she died because of, we're pretty sure drugs. And that one's hard for me, even with my mom, because my cousin was like my sister and it was just so hard. So that was something else that I had to go through, you know? And I was like, God, I was like, you already took my mom. Like, <laughs> you know, what are you going to do to me now? You took, now you took my, you know, practically my sister. And I just, I went all out. Like I spent, I, I maxed out a credit card at 10,000. Meth is not cheap, <laughs> but neither is life, you know? So I, got in it really, really hardcore. And I had quit for 40. Now we're going into the end of 2000 into 2018. We're talking, I was going through eight, I, I was going through almost what they consider an eight ball of meth, which is 3.5 to four, you know, ounces, not ounces, whatever it is, you know, enough amount that I was going through it very quickly. Um, I wish somebody would have told me what I look like because now I see people that are on it and I'm like, God, I'm like, please help me, <laughs> you know, please help me. So 2018, July or June 2nd, sorry. Um, I had quit for 40 days and I was happy. And when you're quitting, you hear people say, if you don't do it, you're a rat. If you don't do it, you're a snitch. And those words would, you know, they would hurt me. And then you would be called, I was called um, a meth head. I was called a crack whore. I was called, you know, and there's all kinds of names. And I believe that I was those names because the devil was here hurting me. And so <laughs> this, is the, this is the start where I want you to know God can do it for me. He'll do it for you. And yeah, the first part of this, it's hard to swallow. And it's hard for me to swallow because what, you know, 
we have to forgive people. Do I take all the blame for getting on drugs? No. But God says, forgive them. You know, just forgive them. So I forgave people. So June 2nd, I went to the hospital because I went 40 days and then all of a sudden I relapsed. And this is one, one, you know, just one good relapse because I had given up for 40 days and I thought I could do the same amount <laughs> and that same amount. No, nope. So, um, of course it was also, you know, if you don't do it, you're a rat. If you don't do it, you're a snitch. And, you know, being at, being that I knew faces and I knew names, I was scared all the time. And did I have protection sometimes? Yeah. But was that protection always protective? No. Um, I had people that would whisper, which has affected my, it's hard to say this, but I've developed PTSD because when you're on meth, not only do you see demonic, you hear demonic, but then you add people into it that are whispering to you, calling you names, messing with your stuff, um, stealing from you. Um, and I just want you to understand, if there's somebody that is watching this and you're doing these things, please stop. Please, I beg you, because I don't want anybody to hurt and feel PTSD because I'm telling you, it is awful. I can I will, people still whisper to me and they mess with me and they don't understand that they're still destroying and I'm still fighting. I have night terrors where I I'm here. The devil, can you still hear me, Jen? Okay. Um, I'm fearing that the devil is they're they're still on drugs, okay? And I'm I'm in the same surrounding area with them. And I'm like, okay, God, I'm like, what do you want me to do? I I can't do this. And it's you know, it makes me second guess like do I want my sobriety or do I not there's days like I just went through um my mom's anniversary date six years and I could hear the devil being like just do it one time just do it one time and I'm like whoa I'm like <laughs> you know and there, the drug was in my surroundings you know and finally I was like god I was like if this is what he wants me to do seal my lips just seal my lips and take it from my mind. And within a matter of saying that, bam, I wasn't feeling the want. I wasn't feeling the need. And that's how much God loves me. And God loves you too. We're all loved equal. There's no one that is loved any more or any less. So um, back to, sorry, God's just like showing me all these things to share with you because he loves you enough for you to listen and just love on him. Um, so I went into the hospital June 2nd. I had ended up having abscess teeth on this side. And um, I don't know if you know what abscess is, but it, they're awful. I had had two pain, but when you're on meth, it covers up any type of pain. I'm talking any type of pain. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm not feeling anything today because I, you know, I went and I, sh I did drugs, shot up. And, uh, 
So I wake up June 2nd. I could not swallow. This is within a night. Okay. I was puking that night that I did the drugs because I had literally tried to do the same amount that I had done when I quit. That's a big mistake because your body has already went through like releasing it, everything. So when you go and you do another, you do another shot or whatever, and you do as much as what you left off with, this is what happens. Okay. Um, so I go to the hospital during walking to the parking lot. I lost my vision. So, you know, the guy that has been with me through all of this, which I fight for all the time because God says he's worthy, but man, let me tell you, <laughs> it's a handful. And, um, he got me to the hospital and I'm so grateful. God did put him in my life at this point in time. And they could not do anything at this hospital because I was so, I had so much infection. So they sent me to another hospital in Morgantown, West Virginia. And, uh, they took me straight into surgery and I had three teeth removed on this side. Then I had to have drain tubes. So I'm in the hospital for two weeks with just this surgery. So finally the doctor comes in. He's like, I think we have the infection under control. And I'm, I'm like, okay. And then he's like, we do need you to go through um, more treatment. So I'm like, okay. But as soon as I heard that they had it under control, guess what I did? I left against medical advice. I left against medical advice. So, the, you know, my boyfriend who was with me through all this, um, I told him, I was like, I want to go home. I want to go home. Like you in, in this hospital, you can't go outside. If you've got a pick line and IV, any of that, you're not allowed outside of the building. This is how bad meth is. And this is how bad shooting it up is because people were going outside with pick lines and IVs and they were shooting up in these. Okay. So it ruined it for everyone else. So we had to sit in our rooms, four walls every day. We might get to go out and walk in the hallway or, you know, whatever. But Anyway, I told, I told my boyfriend, I said, I'm, I want to go home. So I signed out against medical advice. I thought, oh, I'm going to do good. The whole, uh, this is still open, mind you. <laughs> I had to pack it. And I'm like, I'm going home. I'm going to be fine. I go to the hospital. I get prescriptions. <laughs> Let me tell you, it was the worst mistake of my life. And this is where my life changes. I was home less than 24 hours. Thank you, Jesus. Like, he's like, I did this for you because I love you. This is where it really, really gets tough. Okay. But there is a positive. And when you hear the, when you hear what happened, I promise you, God is going to show you through me what he will do for you just as he did me within 24 hours i had an abscess that went from the base down here and it was pushing my windpipe clear over to this side and my boyfriend again takes me up to his mother and she's since my mom's passed away she's been a very 
big part of my life because I turned my back on my family. So my, my family and I are not close anymore. Um, and he said, you got to go in and see my mom. You got to go and see mom. And I was like, no, because I knew what was going to happen. I knew what she was going to say. And I haven't had any income. I haven't had means for gas or anything like that. And she looked at me and she start, she said, Miranda, you got to go back to the hospital. Like you're, it's going to kill you. You've got, you've got a staph infection. And mind you, I couldn't hardly breathe because my windpipe was starting to, it was so bad that it was moving it clear over to the right side. And I was like, I'm not going, I'm not going. So she looks at my boyfriend and tells my boyfriend, here's gas money, get her in the car and get her up to the hospital. So I told him, I said, uh, we got to stop at the, you know, stop at the house and I got to grab stuff. Well, I can promise you, I was not coming back out to that car. He knew it. <laughs> and he looked at me and he's like, Randy, you're not getting out of the car. Stay right there. <laughs> <laughs> we argue a lot, but this, this guy, um, I've known, I've known him since I was in second grade. He almost got me paddled in school, by the way, because he wrote me a love letter and things have not been, things have not been easy, but I have, even though he does what he does, God used him. <laughs> so if you're in a dark place, God will use you and you don't even think that you're worthy enough and you don't think that he will do it. This person, my boyfriend, he used him and he still to this day doesn't know how much God loved him to use him. And so he comes in the house and he gets my purse. <laughs> and I remember seeing him. <laughs> twirling my purse coming to me <laughs> and some clothes and he gets in my car and mind you he could have he could have gotten trouble okay because no driver's license and I, I i'll share this because this is how much his love was and how much god was using him and i would have literally i would have died i would have died but God, even though he was, even though he was choosing to do the same drug I was, and he was still messed up, God used him. So I love, I mean, we argue, we fight, we do all kinds of stuff, you know, choices that, you know, choices are being made right now that's making me a little bit upset and hurt. But, you know, anyway, back to what God did, we get to the hospital. And I can hardly swallow. I can hardly breathe. I, you know, I've got this abscess that's going from down here, clear up to here, pushing my windpipe. So he gets me back to the hospital in Morgantown, which is Rudy Hospital. And um, the doctors come in and they're like, Randa. I was like, yeah. They're like, we have to go. <laughs> We're going into emergency surgery. And I have never had a surgery where I felt like, and I knew I was going to die. I knew it. And he, and my boyfriend's sitting there with me and he's like, I love you. And I'm so sorry, you know, and I promise to stop. And I, you know, I see this. And I told him, I said, I just need to call my daddy. And I call my dad and I tell my dad, I'm like, dad, 
I'm going into a surgery. I love you, and I don't know if I'm going to make it. And my dad tells me that, Miranda, he said, Miranda, Don, you're going to make it. You are my baby. You're going to make it. And I was like, Daddy, I don't think so. And I remember looking at my boyfriend and being like, I love you, and I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And... <laughs> The anesthesiologist knew, like, I was going into hyperventilation. I was crying so bad. Um, I was worried about everyone else. I told my brother to get a hold of my little sister. My little sister, I, her and I went through some craziness, like, you know. And so they, the anesthesiologist starts, she's like, now I'm going to give you some medicine and you're going to go to sleep. But I hadn't noticed the girl behind me was already injecting it into my IV. <laughs> so I remember my last words to my boyfriend was, I love you. And I'm sorry. And he said, he told me, he's like, Miranda, I want you to fight. I had so many people that loved me telling me to fight. And I was like, I'm, I don't want to fight. I'm with my mom. So I go through multiple surgeries, multiple, you know, I, I have an open neck. The meat from down here is now up here. They had to cauterize nerves. I had um, more drain tubes. <laughs> and I had, all together, it was 13 different surgeries. And there was times in between this, like a lot of time. Well, there was some family issues. And um. I don't remember who came and see me. I don't remember hardly anything because they were keeping me as sedated as much as they possibly could because the pain would have been too much for my body to endure. So <laughs> I don't remember a whole lot. So I remember waking up off and on and seeing my little sister, my boyfriend, you know, there was one time I had so many doctors in there that I woke up to. My dad was sitting there. I couldn't talk because I had a tube in, you know, helping me breathe. And um, <laughs> I, I just don't remember a whole lot. And the anesthesiologist said that a lot of my memory will, you know, I won't remember a lot. So the very last surgery before I went in, my boyfriend had found out that one of my family members were coming so he they don't get along and he said that he needed to go home get clothes you know get money for food blase blase I don't remember this okay I do not remember um but the, the that doesn't matter you know what mattered was when he left me at the hospital I had protection with my little baby sister but when he left me that's the surgery that my heart stopped because that is my you know we fight and God said he promises me this person but this person doesn't take credit for how, how worthy God has made him and during this heart this is it during my heart stopping I experienced something that was magnificent. Magnificent. So my heart stops and 
I can, I don't tell anybody this, so I don't, nobody draws this because there's no justice. There's no picture. There's no way you can draw what I see for the beautiful that hit my eye for the beauty. Sorry. God's just laughing right now. Like you're going to tell. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to tell. Here we go. <laughs> I haven't shared, but maybe a couple of times with people of what happened. So you're going to get to hear. There is a God. <laughs> there is a God. There is a heaven. And there is, it's just beautiful. What you, what I'm about to tell you is my, my experience and what God let me see and how God appears to me and what I got to experience. This is my journey from God. So during this coding, I was on a path, like a gravel path, no shoes. Okay, no shoes. And I was walking, and one thing in my life I love is flowers and birds, but my favorite is hummingbirds. Like, I love the sound and how fast they move. Like, how does God make something so fast? You know, they move faster than probably a car or something at some times. So I see hundreds I'm talking hundreds of all kinds of different colors of butterflies, all these beautiful hummingbirds, like they're just swarming around me, acting like nothing, you know, and then all of a sudden I see roses and I see sunflowers and I see lilies and I see all this stuff on each side of me and it never ends, like it never ends. So then I... As I'm going further into, you know, down this road, down these beautiful flowers and, you know, hummingbirds flying everywhere and butterflies. I love butterflies. All of a sudden, I hear three women laughing. And I'm like, God, I know the one. I know the one. And <laughs> when I tell you this, my heart just, <laughs> it's completed. The doors open inward. They don't open outward because that's like God like pushing you backwards so you have to step back. The doors open inward to his kingdom. <laughs> when I tell you this, I have goosebumps so big right now. Like I'm going to have to end up like probably shaving my legs again or something. Um, <laughs> so I get to this door. I guess who's standing there? my mom and my two grandmas. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. And at that time, I knew my mom and my grandmas were okay. I knew that they were, they were beautiful. Like, they were only in their 30s. My mom had her long, beautiful hair. <laughs> my grandmas were okay. They weren't suffering. But these were women that were my he they were they were my rocks. And God had took them home. And they were safe. And they were there. So I'm looking at them. I can't even speak. I'm not speaking to them. I'm just looking at them. And I just remember like I'm crying and I'm excited. Sorry. So I am standing there and I'm looking. And all of a sudden, when I, when I tell you this, God would not let me tell you this if it was not of him. A tall, handsome, 
object starts walking <laughs> toward me. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, because I didn't think of a man. I was, I was what my mom, I, you know, I, I saw my grandma's. I didn't think of a man. So I'm like, okay, I'm like, who's this tall man? So all of a sudden, the face comes to beautiful cut, clean face, hair. I mean, we're talking beautiful. Hair down to his shoulder, wavy, clean cut, does not look like a hippie. <laughs> I've heard people ask, does he look like a hippie? Listen, this is what God appeared to me to look like. I believe that God will appear to you how you think he looks. I think that that's just how God loves us. That's how much he loves us. So then I noticed that he has, if you've ever seen the clearest, bluest ocean where you can see the bottom. This is the color of his eyes. And from those eyes were tears. So it was his eyes that looked like an ocean, but tears that were flowing like a river. And I thought I would be mad, but man, and his, his burlap gown that he wears, there's no way, I promise you, there's no way you can look at it with a human eye. You have to be in heaven. You have to be in his kingdom to know how bright this was and he looked at me and he was crying with these rivers of tears and he said to me I love you but I have to send you back because I have a purpose for you And that's true love from the father because I know he had to pull me out of the pits of hell. I was playing with the devil. And when he said, I love you and I have to send you back with a purpose, I want you to understand that wasn't my purpose because my purpose I had destroyed. This was his purpose, his love to send me back. And at first I thought, man, why didn't I kick my feet? Why didn't I scream? I'm not going back. Why? why? And then it was so loving that he told me, he looked at me and tells me, I love you. I have to send you back for I have a purpose. At that point, I knew I had to change because God had a purpose for me. And I felt like I meant something. I felt like I finally meant something to someone. Before I, I was a child of, you know, I was a child of so many different things, rape, abuse, neglect, starvation. I was all kinds of things. And I never felt true love, except for my daddy and my mommy here on earth. <laughs> they adopted me. They picked me. That's a whole love that, you know, adoption, children need to understand. You're picked. You're, you're loved. So all of a sudden, God says, I'm going to give you one thing to show my true love which God didn't have to show me this. He absolutely didn't have to show me because I knew at that point when I met him and he said he had a purpose and he loved me, I knew that he loved me. So I'm going to give you one thing. And he said, no, why don't you go back with the purpose? So I'm like, okay. So when I went to leave, because he was, he was going to send me back either way. <laughs> when I went to leave, he said, I'm going to let your mom and your grandma's walk you back. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding? 
Are you kidding, God? Like, this is so awesome. You don't say goodbye. You just don't because you know you're going back. <laughs> you're going back. So I'm like, yes. I'm like, I get to go back with a, you know, with them. They're walking me back. They're going to love. All of a sudden, we're walking back. And I, he I hear people talking about a veil. There is a such thing as a veil. And how I know this is, we get back to a certain point, and I, we said, I love you. Like, these are the only words, the only three words that we said to each other, my mom, my grandma, and me. We only said, I love you. Nothing more, nothing less. Upon me saying, I love you, and I said it to my mother, and then I turned, you know, and I, well, no, my mom was on my right. And then my two grandmas were on my left. And upon saying I love you to my mom, I turned. And then I said it to my grandmas. And then I went to turn back and my mom was gone. <laughs> so she went back. And my grandmas, I went to look because I was really confused. But then I understood what was going. So I, I don't know if you believe in hovering. But I can tell you it's true. It is true. So upon going back, I heard a steady line of beep. So then all of a sudden, I'm over top of my body, and I'm looking at the doctor who has his hands down in my neck, working frantically. So I'm looking down over top, like my face is at my face, and my body, you know, it, it was just like I was laying over top of myself. And all of a sudden, I hear beep, beep, beep. My heart started back. <laughs> My heart, God's heart that beats the same as the Father's, started beating. I went back into my body. <laughs> and from that day forward, I knew I was going to do something. I knew. I've been back fighting for that purpose. So God loved me enough. That was only the first step. Sending me back with a purpose was his step. That was the first, because I knew I had to come back and I had to fight. So this goes into when I received and what God gave me within 45 minutes. 45 minutes. And he'll do it for any of you, because we're all loved the same amount. I went to a camp, and mind you, I had been saved. I had, I had been saved, and this is something else I want to point out. I had not been saved since I was a child, but I still got to meet the Father. I had made many mistakes. I had sinned. I did not go and repent. I, did not, I didn't do any of that. So how did God, why did I go to heaven? What was so important? Now I'm going to tell you what was important. Meeting the Father was the most changeful thing in my life. I went to a church camp that my church was holding. So I met, I met all these wonderful, you know, Christian sisters and brothers. And so I'm sitting in a pew and this, this brother comes up and he goes, can I, can I give you a quarter? And I'm like, yeah, I guess. Well, this quarter 
he was telling me things that I had been through that he was giving me a quarter to pay it off and give it to him. So I was like, okay, well then all of a sudden I started feeling like a burning going from the pits of my stomach up through my chest. And my pastor's wife starts walking slowly toward me. And I was like, oh no. And she's like pulling these sisters toward me. This is when my life 100% changed. I had never felt this much pain since my surgery, but I had puked up the spirit that had tried to take my life, and God let me do it. When I puked up this spirit, and I'm telling you, some people are like, yeah, okay, whatever. There are spirits that you will puke. And they're not fun. They feel like they're ripping your esophagus. They feel like they're ripping your body. They're not fun. And if you feel like you have one, today I ask that you just let somebody just work with you and get it gone because you're worthy. I felt like God said I needed to say that because there may be, you know, he just laid it on my heart. There's somebody that it has one and he's saying, tell him to get it gone because he loves you enough. He will be right. He'll be right there in front of you to catch you. But when I did this, it was so black. And mind you, I have my windpipe from where my surgery was. They had to cut it open and place it like this. So it overlaps. When I did this, I felt like my neck was going to explode and it hurt so bad. So they get me outside. When I puked this, like I was asking for my boyfriend's mom. <laughs> I was like, I need my mom. I need my mom. She couldn't do it. She couldn't because what I was carrying, I had to have sisters that knew you know, they knew what to do. And plus, it's not good to have somebody that's in your family do that battle because it's not fair. It's really not fair. Because um, nobody wants to see somebody go through that. God wants to see you, but it's not fair to people, you know, in your love, in the ones that you love, because it can get, it can get scary. You know, there's some people that are like, well, I, I feel like I need them. Okay, that's you. But it wasn't for me. So I puke up this black mass and all of a sudden I just remember, and the sisters will laugh. They laugh every time they tell about this. I stood up and I, I said, Jesus, I said, I am ready. Like, let's go. I'm going to do this. God, you sent me back with a purpose. I'm worthy. Let's, you know, I'm here. Let's go. And I was screaming this in front of people. I didn't know. I mean, I was like, I was on fire. I was like, boom. So I go back in and the brothers are praying over people for tongues. Now, mind you, back before I had said to my boyfriend's mom, tongues freaks me out. I, I don't understand them. Like, uh, what am I, you know, and the church, I had heard them speaking, but I was like, I told her, I was like, mom, it freaks me out. So I start back to church with her and she goes, hey, Miranda, we speak in tongues. It's going to freak you out. I love her. I, I am the type of person, I have book common sense, but when it comes to common common sense, <laughs> I'm, 
I like it. I'm, I'll be honest with you. She laughs at me, you know, and it's out of love, you know, and she tells me sometimes she's like, Marina, we need gorilla glue to shut you up. I'm like, yeah, sometimes I know that. But anyway, back to what happened within 45 minutes, they're filling people with the Holy Ghost. You know, they're praying over them and God's just, you could feel something so, it was like, it was just swarming of peace and joy and people are laughing and people are, you know, and I'm like, whoa, I'm like, God, I'm like, what do I do? He's like, get up there, get up there. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm not scared to speak in tongues. It don't freak me out because guess what? I got filled with the Holy Ghost. I got filled with the fire. I got tongues. And I just remember turning around to my boyfriend's mom. I call her mom. So, you know, if that, I do that, sorry. Um, I turn around to her and she is crying and jumping up and down and just enjoy. And I'm like, I, I look back at her. I'm like, I, and I, I said it because I was, I kind of was scared. And I'm like, mom, I'm like, what am I going to do if the Holy Ghost just pops up and I'm just start, I just start talking in tongues. You know, because it, it kind of got me to where I'm like, oh, no, like, does it just happen, like, randomly? What do you do? Like, does he, is it like boo? You know, and she's like, Miranda, no. I was like, okay, mom. Okay. So, you know, then they started doing deliverance. And I'm like, God, I'm like, oh, boy. I don't want to hurt people's feelings. I've had my feelings hurt all my life. So, <laughs> they... God had told the one brother, he's like, now I want you to pray over this brother. And I want you to, I want you to give him what God's telling you. I never met this brother in my life. Didn't know him. Actually never seen him in our church. So I'm praying over him and I received deliverance. So I gave this guy, you know, what God had told me to tell him, didn't know a thing about him. And he looked at me and he goes, all of them look at me. And they're like, she's got it. That was the, I am the, you know, I'm not, I'm not taking pride because it was all God. They tell everybody what God did within 45 minutes. Okay. So in 45 minutes, I received salvation. I received the Holy Spirit. I received fire, anointing of fire. I received tongues. I received deliverance. So then... You know, then God said to me, wait for baptism, just wait, because he wanted to see how far I was going to take my purpose, his purpose. <laughs> so from that day forward, I, I got on fire, I got on fire, and I went through a couple of attacks, and let me tell you, attacks, you need to be under, you need to be under someone, you don't try to go to anything alone, God is always before you. But sometimes you need, you know, you need a head, you just need maybe a brother or sister that holds you accountable, that if you feel like you're in a war, they know, you know, go in prayer. Go in prayer too when you feel like you're under attack because it says, it, it's scripture, I don't know really what the, where the scripture is, but you go in prayer too, you know. So I live by that. I'm not good with scriptures, I just know that it's somewhere in there. Um, so in June, now this happens in May, April, May, no, the camp happened in May, 
in June of 2019, yeah, 2019, God gave me the okay to go into baptism. So I'm like, okay, because there was a revival and God was like, this is where I want you to do it. I have problems with people. I isolate myself. I, because I'm in so many studies and I want to make sure that I'm teaching God and not my way. So I kind of shut myself off to the world. So I, I'm not really, I'm not ready to be around a lot of people, but it's okay because I'm slowly working. I'm getting it. Um, God's walking me through it. Amen. <laughs> um, so I get baptized. When I get baptized, I remember I saw, I didn't close my eyes because God said, keep them open. And I'm going in a pool, people, a pool, chlorine, like burn your eyes. So God's like, keep your eyes open. So I did this and I saw rays of light coming from the sky down into where I was. And I was like, oh, I was like, now I get you. <laughs> this was your, this is ha ha on me. But when I came up out of that water, I was singing crazy songs. I was, I had felt like so much had been relieved off of my heart out of, you know, and I, this is, this is so much where my life, God sent me back with that purpose and I've been on fire. I have been under attack to the point that Satan almost had me, you know, die again. But listen, as soon as I had, Satan had caused me to cause almost a separation, um, all kinds of stuff. It got to the point where like, I felt like I couldn't trust people. I felt like my love was not good enough for people. My words, you know, what God was telling me, I was like, people don't want to listen to me, God. People don't want to listen. And he's like, it doesn't matter if they listen to you. It's the bad, what matters is the consequences. If they don't, you just speak it, let them chew on it. But if they don't follow, that's on them, not you. So I had to get over that because I was like, God, you told me to tell him this and they won't listen to me and they're not doing it. And I felt like I was failing, but then I had to sit back. I'm not responsible for people. I'm responsible for myself. So, um, I've decided to share this last part with you because I, when I met Jen, I met somebody that right away God told me a new sister and I was like when Jen and I were talking Jen asked me about doing this and I was like you know at first I was like oh what do you do so I kind of questioned Jen because I had people telling me what I was going to say what I was going to do I wrote a book I had a guy uh telling me what I was going to do in my own book mind mind you now the book is in the process of getting edited and changed, you know, a little bit, not man's way. It, you know, it stays God's way. So Jen and I were talking kind of, kind of quizzed Jen, like, Hey, what do you want me to do? What it, you know, am I supposed to write this testimony out? Am I supposed to write any of this out? And then she's like, no, she's like, this is, this is God's story. So when she answered that question, now she's become part of my purpose. My purpose is to reach people that can reach other people. I deal with, um, my calling is to minister in prisons and jails. So, you know, I deal with women that are abused, 
I deal with women that, you know, are recovering from drugs or even on drugs, broken homes, I deal with it. So when Jen asked me to do this, I, I asked God, I'm like, God, I'm like, what do you, what do you want me to ask her? So I know what I'm doing is right. <laughs> and when she said, let God talk, I knew I had found a new sister and God kind of chuckled because he was like, ha 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 ha. You know, you thought you were going into a group with her, but now she's a part of you. So it was funny how all this works. You know, I don't have, you know, God is financially going to help me. You know, the finances are really hard because I can't work. And, um, my finances is telling you what God did for me. And, you know what my payment is? Is for one salvation a day. One. I have a group and I tell them, I'm like, hey, I ch and I challenge people. I I'll challenge it. And I tell everybody, I challenge you one salvation a week. Just one. When you go in public, just look at people and say, God bless you. God loves you. You don't have to know them but it makes them think. And if they have anything that they're carrying, like if there's any, if you feel like there's any presence of uh, turmoil or whatever, all you have to do is walk by them and be, you can whisper it because the devil can hear you. All you have to do is say, I rebuke it right now in the name of Jesus. I rebuke it. And it, you don't have to look at the person. Because that's what God's been doing to me through this whole now transition of the new me, the sister, you know, of Christ, the daughter of God, and the Holy Spirit. Like, every day before my feet hit the floor, I love you, Jesus. I love you, God. I love you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. You know, and I do this because they need that. That is, you know, acknowledgement. And you need to, you know, they need to know that you love them. They, they know you do. Okay but they need to hear it because what they gave, what, okay, Jesus went to the cross and he said, father, forgive them for they do not know. He was talking about us, us, not just the people that were there the day he was crucified. He's talking about all, all whole. And then when God put his son on that cross for us, did God know it was going to happen? Absolutely absolutely he did when he put when he went through this process he did not do return to sender he watched his son die for us and knew that was the way to him so we have to thank god that he died for our sins and made a way to his father for us so you know and the other thing I want everybody to understand and put on, because this is a hard time, is your armor of God. Read Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, and just claim it over you, because that's what I do every day. Don't look behind at what yesterday or what last month or last week had to do that made you so angry. God ain't behind you. He already went through that. He's already beat that for you. God doesn't leave unfinished business. Let me tell you, he's all for completing that business call. So your body armor is on the front of you. 
And I just ask, you know, I just claim that over everyone that hears this in the name of Jesus. I just declare armor over all of the children. You know, even if, even if God is not in your life, I declare that you fill that armor and how powerful God is and how much love God is with that armor, because it is a very, very beautiful armor. Sometimes I think that mine's all gems and, you know, I got big old jewelries all over me and listen, just make your armor what you want, you know? So I want to end this with telling you if there is anybody that hears this, that needs anything, I just ask that you find a brother, a sister, a pastor, or even, even if you don't know what to do, ask somebody and just give yourself to the Lord because he's waiting. There's somebody that's going to hear this, somebody that's going to need this. And listen, I'm sure Jen, if you ask Jen or, you know, you find me or whatever, we'll pray with you. We will not leave anybody behind because we, everybody has felt that darkness. Everybody has felt that unworthy. Everybody has felt that unloved or unpeace or unjoy. I, I literally, when I close this out, I'm going to pray that everybody gets a little taste of joy. Because when you get a little taste of joy, by the end, your ribs are going to hurt a little bit, okay? So that's just God filling you with joy and filling something inside of you and taking something away so he can show you that he's, he's, he can do anything. Trust me, if he can bring me out of the pits of hell, look at me with tears in his eyes and say, I love you, but I got a purpose and he sends me back, mind you, I live around I live around drugs every day of my life, every day. It doesn't matter if it's in public. It doesn't matter. It don't matter, you know, and I, I deal with those because that's my purpose. And some people are like, you got to deal with them. Absolutely. Because I got to fight for other people because God told me that's what I'm supposed to do. Some people are like, I don't want you praying for me. I don't want you. I don't got to pray for you out loud, but I will pray for you. So I'm going to end this and Jen. I love you. Thank you. And I am going to pray this out and I'm going to ask God to fill you with some joy because today is beautiful. Get out there, get in the streams. You know, I pray in the water. I don't know if you've ever been in the water, just walk a Creek, you know, yeah, it might be cold, but it was, you know, it's cold but look at what Jesus did for you. So you can walk in some cold water. So walk in the water and feel what the Holy Spirit, you know, just feel there's different places for different people. Sometimes I walk on land. I get totally different from the Holy Spirit. When I'm walking in the water, I'm getting a whole lot. You know, I'm a water baby. That's just what happened. What God's made me as a water baby. I've seen myself where I can breathe underwater and I'm reaching salvation underwater. Don't ask me. <laughs> I, I just, that's what he's done for me. So I'm going to end this with a prayer. And again, if you need salvation, just reach out. Somebody's waiting and God's definitely waiting for you because he loves you enough to set you free. Okay. So right now, Father God, we just come to you and I just declare some just filling of joy, the filling of peace. I just ask that, you know, the ones that are watching this that need to fill it, I just ask that they get a little, you know, just give them a taste of what, you know, what it feels like. I cannot, <laughs> thank you. Um, 
I just, you know, more, you know, more joy. You know, everybody needs it. Everybody wants it. I, you know, thank you, Jesus. It, okay. Um, thank you, Father. I also declare bondage from depression, anxiety, um, anything that is not of good fruit. I just declare that to be gone, to be lifted off. Those are those are chains that chains of um, things that are not of God. I just, you know, I just ask God to just shake them off of you, and I declare that you'll be free from them because they're not of good fruit. They're not of the God, you know, they're not of God, and. I just asked Jesus <laughs> to put his arms around his brothers and sisters and let them know what he did. You can do too. I just declare that, you know, all we have to say is what Jesus did and just thank him. Thank you, Jesus. In your name, they will be healed in your name. They will see again in your name. The broken bones will be put back together. Thank you, Jesus. I just, right now, I declare all positive to come out of anyone's mouth that speaks of you and your glory, Father. And, you know, I just, I claim, I just claim peace and joy. Just fill them, you know, and thank you, Jesus. Then I don't know what it is, but he's shown me that there's something that you've been asking for. And he's like, you're going to receive it abundantly. You're just going to receive it abundantly. Um, yeah. So, you know, God, God's just telling me to tell everyone, take today for today and leave tomorrow and yesterday and months ago behind because that's not he, he's already done it. We got it. You know, just let it go. Let him, let him be in you. Let him walk you through. What I, this is what he's telling me. What I see is what I give and what I give is a promise to thee. So with that, I'm going to say in Jesus name, amen. I declare encounters with Jesus over all of you, and I declare God's blessings over all who hear these words. Thank you so much, Miranda. Fotines Rise Up is a free ministry platform for you, for, for all of you to share your story, your encounter with Jesus. Reach out to me, Jen Zellup, on Instagram or Facebook, or feel free to email me at jenniferzellup at yahoo.com. God bless you all. I'm not going to